and welcome to our latest podcast. I'm Ruth Dance from the EEA and I'm really excited about the podcast we've got going on today. Is internal comms measuring the wrong thing? And before I introduce you to our guest for today, um, I'm going to follow suit as my colleague Matt Manners does in all of these podcasts and talks about what's been going on in the news this week. Now, I'm much less political um, than Matt and, and, and not very savvy with my views on things. So I'm not going to try and attempt to tell you what's been going on with the latest with Trump or what's been going on with Brexit this week. But I am going to uh, talk to you a little bit about a news article that's um, really struck me today. It's uh, It was a 13-year-old boy called Paul Gilmore who 50 years ago wrote a message in a bottle um, and threw it to sea and here in uh, Britain uh, in, uh, in November 1969. And it has been found up washed on a beach in Australia this week. So a message 50 years old um, has, has finally been found and read. This sounds like a bit of a tenuous link, and it probably is. But when I read that earlier today, it really did get me thinking about internal comms and about this, this chat I was going to have with Tony today. I often see organisations who are still communicating with their people uh, uh, in the same way they did 50 years ago. Um, yes, OK, there might be a new font um, or it may be digitally, but the messages, the themes and everything they're doing is still the same. And no wonder we're starting to get questioned more about what the return on investment is in internal comms and what the importance of measurement is. So there's my latest news article for you for this week and also the link to what's going on today. So to give a bit of context for our podcast today before I introduce our um, wonderful guest Tony, today is really about measurement. It's a topic that's been coming up a lot. Lots of our members and people in our community are asking me in our events, in our webinars and, and when we're out and about with the community is how are we measuring and demonstrating a return on investment in all the work that we're doing um, particularly in internal comms um, and how do we successfully measure the impact of what we're doing. So for today's podcast I know an internal comms expert um, so I asked him to join us to give us his insights and experiences in what he's doing. So I'm really really happy to introduce everybody to Tony Cosgrove from Masgroves. So hi Tony. Hi Ruth, how are you doing? I'm I'm all right. Yeah. How how's your week been? No messages in bottles washing up where you are. Uh, no, no messages in bottles. But I think it's an interesting story, isn't it? Yeah. You know why? Why is that in the news today? When you think about how many, you know, let's make up a statistic here. How many billions of messages have been sent in the last week? Why is that one message uh, a news item? You know, across the world because it's really grabbed our attention. Um, it's a different message. It kind of. It strikes a chord with us. I think there's something for us to remind ourselves there as communicators. You know, if you, if you want to send a message that's going to cut through all the noise, you've got to have something that's different, something yeah. that's unique, something that's got a good story behind it. And I think that's why that's one of the headlines in the press today. I completely, completely agree. So let's let's talk a little bit around um, around internal comms and, and around, around measurement. And actually, we did ask some of our members in our community that really expressed an interest in this podcast to give us some questions that they really wanted to grill you on today. So I hope you're prepared and you've had your Weetabix. Um, Tony, measurement, right? So I've just said that measurement, measurement is a topic that's coming up a lot right I'm not going to deny that it's something that I'm being asked on a weekly basis do you think measurements become a bit of an obsession or is it still essential um 
I think I've I think the first thing says I've been on a bit of a journey with measurement over the years as a communicator. Yeah. Um, I've got a science background. Um, so I've worked in science for years. So I, I like numbers. I think numbers tell a story like nothing else does. And I think when I started off in communications, I started off from a position of if you couldn't measure it, it wasn't real. Um, we should be able to show a direct correlation between inputs and outputs. And, and I was I was quite I think I was quite evangelical about that, if I'm being honest. I think I was a little bit uh, a bit too strict. And I think maybe as I've got a bit older, <laughs> maybe a little, a little bit wiser and certainly a lot more experienced, I'm a lot more relaxed now about communication that doesn't have that really crystal clear thread between activity and impact. So mm-hmm. is it an obsession? I don't think it is an obsession. I think it's an important topic that we as professional communicators are right to discuss. Um, I think sometimes it gets in the way. And I think sometimes um, too much of a focus rather than an obsession, too much of a focus on measurement um, isn't just of academic interest. I think it actually does stop us from doing some good work and has some negative impacts. And um, I think it impacts us as communicators when we focus too much on measurement because I think it stops us doing good work. I think sometimes we miss opportunities because we're too focused on can I show an ROI on this? And when Mm. you can't, Sometimes that great projects go by that would be really interesting and really keep the profession alive. I think it's also bad for our teammates, our colleagues, the people in organizations who we're here to serve, because we don't do these projects, which means that means there is a kind of a missed opportunity for them to reinvigorate and to get excited again about where they work. And I think when colleagues miss an opportunity at work, there is an obvious knock on around um, reduced opportunities to improve productivity, improve retention, improve customer service and all that. So I don't think it's an obsession. I think it's something we should talk about, but I do think measurement can actually get in the way of good communication rather than be a requirement of good communication. Yeah, I think that's a really, I really agree with that, um, with that point. I spent 10 years working in learning and development and it became a habit uh, to consistently measure how people thought the training was right so that was through the good old-fashioned happy sheets that you give out at the end of the course and ask them to tick did they like it didn't they all of that Um, and then inputting that data into some form of a spreadsheet or whatever it was and showing your boss that you had um you know a great mps on your training courses that you were delivering but really were we taking a step back and being like what's the impact on individuals are people learning are they feeling more engaged we weren't really focusing on the healing side of things it was, it was very much around the what did the happy sheet say at the end of the training course so it became everything was gearing towards that the measurement piece um and so i agree with you it became a hindrance um, and we don't often take a step back and say do we actually need to be doing this or can we be looking at measures in other ways yeah. so it's important it's important but sometimes we focus too much on it yes and what should we focus on you know plan for your objectives is never a bad phrase, is never a bad place to be. You know, what does the organization want to see? Lots of organizations in the commercial world certainly you know, want to see increased sales. But there's a very long food chain or a very long supply chain between our activities as communicators and improved sales. And I think you could sit up at night and torture yourself trying to find the link between what we do and improved sales. And that link isn't always there. And I would just encourage people just to be relaxed about that. Be comfortable with a little bit of messiness. There is a lot that we can link to because, you know, going back to your example there, Ruth, was the objective really to have a good NPS? 
Mm. No, it wasn't. Um, but did sometimes we find ourselves arranging our activities around getting a good MPS? I think hand on heart, we probably did sometimes. So that's an example of measurement getting in the way of what the organisation needed. What the organisation needed actually was passionate advocates, uh, people who could present on the hoof, people who could listen, people who could analyse complex data and make it very, very simple. But the MPS, the measurement was actually getting in the way. And I think as communicators, we're all guilty of that sometimes, which isn't to say measurement is irrelevant. We just need the right measurement at the right time, looking at the right objectives. Yeah, my opinion on this is that people have become quite uh, obsessed or focused on measurements as a way of getting buy-in from senior leaders or the purse holders maybe, um, or a way of proving their worth and the impact within the business, particularly roles that are not customer facing, like salespeople, right? Um, So that's where we're looking for measurements to kind of prove our worth. Um, But what what do you think the senior leaders are the most interested in? Is it it the data or is it something else? Um, I think lots of times senior leaders are often ex-finance people. So they're very Mm -hmm. comfortable with numbers. And I think if you're a communicator who is comfortable with numbers, you can have conversations with senior leaders that other communicators can't. And I think if you can come along and show analysis of data, you can show what's happening. I think that's a really good place to be. Uh, But in my experience, do senior leaders actually sit there and go, I want to see numbers around this? I'm not quite sure they do. I think it's part of a package. Mm. What I've seen work really well is stories. Stories that leaders almost stumble across. Um, I think some of the best measurement I've ever seen is when we have got senior leaders in an organisation out back into their business after we've done some communicating and colleagues, employees, team members, call them what you will, have approached the senior leaders and initiated conversations themselves around what was communicated to them, just very naturally. That is, I think, you know, the kind of the place you want to be. That's what fantastic looks like. And there is nothing more powerful than seeing a colleague from the shop floor come up to a senior leader and talk about a topic that you've been communicated with because it is just the best buy-in imaginable. So the numbers are great, but again, they must be part of a package because I don't think very many senior leaders worth their salt are going to just look at a spreadsheet or a graph on a big plasma screen in the boardroom and go, yes, I think we've absolutely cracked this. What they want is they want a human impact. They want to see people talking about this and seeing that it's making a difference in their organisations. Yeah, I I I completely agree again. I'm I'm not going to agree with you maybe the whole whole of this podcast, but I I completely agree again. Um, I I spent about two years butting heads with numbers and trying to get buy-in by communicating uh, customer NPS scores and customer satisfaction scores from our call centre. Um, and trying to trying to get change uh, and trying to get money and budget to do that from senior leaders until one day we realized that if we told a story from a real customer, and this is just a one example um, from a customer, but I, this can also be done internally from your internal customers and stakeholders as well. Um, and we told a story about a 93-year-old customer and his loyalty to the brand and how we were impacting him. That just had so much impact and generated so much change where the numbers just weren't working. So we, I think we sometimes assume that senior leaders and purse holders um, want all the data, but actually stories can be much more personal, uh, relevant, and can lead to change, right? Yeah, and I think what we've got to do is just hit the pause button and say that we are possibly over-measuring and over-communicating via numbers for all the right reasons. Mm. You know, we're trying to 
demonstrate, because we're passionate about comms, we're trying to demonstrate that the investment in comms is going to make a big difference. And, you know, I'm, I'm blessed in my job. I love what I do. And I get the opportunity to go around organizations all over. You know, we've worked in Asia, we worked in Europe, worked in the US. And, and to be able to be part of people's changing working life is a real, it's a blessing, like I say. But you can see the difference that it makes. Um, and, you know, we're trying to use numbers to get that seat at the top table, to be that trusted advisor, you know, searching the holy grail of comms, all those phrases that have been bandied around for, for 10 or 15 years. But we must forget what we are at the end of the day. You know, the day job, running through us all like a stick of rock should be storytellers. That's what we're paid to do. Find stories, reveal the truth within a story and play it back to your organization. But I think we're at our best when we're comfortable with the numbers and maybe major on the stories. So that's probably kind of where I would be with all of this. So Tony's advice, if you if you missed that there, the, the nuggets I just got from you was be comfortable with the numbers, but nail the storytelling, right? Yes. Don't don't try and have one or the other uh, because you no. know, it's like a cocktail. I'm trying to think of a – you might be able to help me here, Ruth. I'm trying to think of a cocktail. You know, When you bring the ingredients together, they're way more than the sum of our parts. So sometimes if yeah. you're turning up with a glass of gin, actually you don't want – you want the tonic and the lemon and the ice and all that kind of lovely stuff together, and then that's what brings mm-hmm. it to life. Yeah, numbers on their own are not going to bring it to life, and stories on their own are probably not going to have enough clout. So bring it all together. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, the stories on their own maybe kind of play to us like naivety. Mm. Um, but the numbers on their own mean that we're missing our unique selling point. You just touched on this, actually, Tony, and it was a, it was a question that, um, I was going to ask you, but it was also a question that um, we had from uh, one of our members. Um, you have worked all over the globe, and I know that you've, like you said, you've just recently been in Asia, I know you've worked in India, and was it just a few days ago you just come back from Italy, right? So what are the differences around the world? Um, or how are people perceiving it differently around the world when we talk about measurement of internal comms? I think... Um... I think some countries are well behind us. I think we are leading the way in this conversation. Um, one of the reasons we're we're asked to go to all these different places is because we're just slightly ahead of the curve, often significantly ahead of the curve, I think, when it comes to the skill that we bring to internal communications. And I say we as in, you know, kind of a group of professionals in, in this country, not just those of us at Masgroves. I think we are... I think we've, we're more experienced. I think we're um, a few cycles ahead of other people so we can kind of get things going quicker. I think the one thing that glues it together across all the, the nations and countries that we've worked in is the power of that story. It is the power of people saying, well, that's all well and good, but let me tell you what my experience was last Tuesday on the shop floor. I bumped into, you know, insert name of tough nut to crack here and he or she came up to me and said I've got to tell you a story about something that's been different I've got to give you some credit for some stuff that you guys have done and that just sends the soul of the senior leader soaring I think I just think they think wow we're finally making a difference because I think a long time they've been banging their heads off a wall and not getting anywhere and it's almost now we're just using cleverer better targeted more sophisticated communications we're creating the environment within which hopefully our people can only respond in one way and that's to be more engaged that's to give more to the business and that's to go the extra mile on behalf of the business and i think when people see those stories themselves no matter whether they're in india europe or america senior leaders seem to just kind of go right it's the first you know it's the first flower of spring i think we are going to get there and it gives them confidence that they're going to be um, that they're going to be okay so we're leading the way. 
Yeah, I think we are. I think, um, um, I mean, other people in other countries are doing some good work, but I, I think uh, the UK has got a, a good position around this. You know, we've got some fantastic academics. We've got some fantastic colleagues in different organizations doing very similar work to us who are doing some great stuff. And we've got some people in-house who are doing some fantastic stuff. Um, Ruth, you and I only two weeks ago, was it? We mm-hmm. were... Um, we were at a shared shared event, and there was some fantastic work being done there. Some great stories being told. Um, yeah, I think it's a fantastic shot window for what great internal communications can do within a, an organisation. I think other people are looking to the UK to lead the way on this. Yeah, it's really good to know, and that's what we're doing is trying to showcase more of those organisations that are really nailing it and and doing incredible stuff and doing amazing at the storytelling and the data piece and and creating the best cocktails. And that's what we're doing is showcasing at the EEA to everyone else what we're doing and you just alluded to this as well around um great internal comms um and leading to better engagement and that's ultimately what people are looking for um we had a question from jess who is the director of people at student roost i had to look at what student roost do and they provide student accommodation um to to universities i mean that's probably irrelevant to her question but it just gives a bit of context she said um i'd be i'd be really keen to hear from tony about how you differentiate between internal comms and engagement for her and for others it's often confused or even assumed to be the same function what do you what do you think about that what's the difference I think internal communication is is a two-way thing. I think, for me, good internal communication is helping organisations, helping the leaders of organisations talk to their people and helping the people of those organisations talk to their leaders. And I think you know, good communication has got to be both ways. So when, we, when people ask us, what will you come and help us with as an internal communications company? We say, we will help tee up those conversations. We'll help find out what the priorities are, will help put the processes and the systems in place to allow that information to flow both ways because that's what good internal communication is. And you will internally communicate on a whole range of topics. But if you get it right, one of the outcomes of that, better communications, is a more engaged workforce. And, you know, we've all heard phrases about what does an engaged employee look like? It's somebody who goes the extra mile. It's somebody who puts in discretionary activity. It's somebody who does the right thing, even when nobody is looking. So I would say that Mm. great internal communications is a precursor of employee engagement, not the same as employee engagement. I think it's very difficult to have an engaged workforce without having really good internal communications. Um, it's a really that, key ingredient. Yes, absolutely. I think I think it's an essential ingredient. Actually, I, I just I just mm. can't imagine how you could have a workforce which is truly engaged without having really good communications. I'm sure there are some outliers outliers of like you know great charities with people just passionate about the topic anyway. But I think for most mere mortals like you and me, Ruth, and the, and the people we work with on a daily basis, great internal communications is required if you're going to have an engaged workforce and an engaged workforce is a requirement of a successful business organization or whatever you want to do. One thing that we do is that every month we try and speak to um, a, a real leader, somebody who is you know, working all day, every day. And we record a short film called Pull No Punches. And we've worked with people like Brian Hall, who works at BHSF, Jeff Love, who works at uh, Comify, and Rachel Clacker, who's the co-founder of Moneypenny over in Wrexham and others and they've kind of given us been very generous with their time and shared their thoughts on the link between internal communications employee engagement and return on investment and i won't try and summarize what they said but perhaps ruth if you could 
I can share the links with you and you could put them in the blog or something like that. And I would encourage people to go and see what these real leaders of real businesses employing thousands of people, what they think about internal communications, employee engagement and return on investment, because they just say it how it is, right? They've got no axe to grind. If it was irrelevant, if it didn't make any difference, they would say so and go and do something else with their time. But to a man and a woman, I think it's fair to say they're kind of going, duh, you've got to get this right because without this, nothing else falls into place. Yes, yes, Tony, yes. Send me the links. I'll get them included in the blog. Um, and I know those three as well. So I think they'll be fantastic. And I agree. It comes back to it's a, another way of storytelling, right? Another way of hearing it from real people sharing what they're doing. Um, and going back to that question on internal comms and engagement, for me, internal comms forms a part of what the experience is like for people, people experience, worker experience, employee experience, whatever you want to call it. But internal comms is the, the key ingredient in, in how people are being communicated to and communicating with um, and the part of their experience at work. And it's a key ingredient. Engagement is the output of that. So and often engagement. I see anyway, engagement sits somewhere completely different in an organization to internal comms and it might just be one person owning it. Engagement for me is should be owned by everyone. It's a, a line manager responsibility. It's a peer-to-peer -peer responsibility. It's a, it's a responsibility for everyone to be focused on that output of feeling engaged at work and as a result, being more productive, profitable and seeing continued success, both in our personal lives and as an organization. Um, so that leads me on actually to talk thinking about engagement. When I just see one or two people owning engagement in an organization, often what they're owning is the staff survey, right? Like this is what this is what I see in some organizations are just starting out on introducing an annual employee survey. Some are doing continuous listening, and I'm actually hearing others saying that nah, staff survey is dead. Is the staff survey dead, Tony? What do you think? I don't think the staff survey is dead. I think the world is moving on and the staff survey is part of an organization's response to what's happening in our business. Tell me what's mm -hmm. going on in my business. The staff survey has a role in answering that question. I think back in the day, it was probably the only way, apart from kind of very informal mechanisms. Today, we have much better technology. We have much more options. But I think... The depth of dive that you get on a staff survey is unparalleled um, with other options that are open to you. Um, we work with organizations all the time who use staff surveys and we get some great information from them. You need to analyze it correctly and you need to do something with it and you need to be seen to do something with it. And that last point is super important. You need to be seen by your employees to do something with it. But I think there is a treasure trove of information in the staff survey. And I, if, you, you know, if you're thinking about, oh, we're going to ditch the staff survey because we never get anything out of it, maybe you're not using the staff survey correctly because it does give you a really deep dive. And people, you hear people say, yes, but it's only how people felt on one day in the year. I think we need to give a bit more credit to uh, the people who fill out the staff surveys. They kind of get that this is where the business is over the course of the year. They're not just walking in and saying, right, at this moment in time, this is how they feel. You know, they might have had a really rubbish experience an hour ago. But I think most people are grown up enough to know that I'm answering this with a big picture in mind. Um, and I do sometimes laugh and think, well, if that's the case, let's stop having a general election because it's just how you feel one day in five years. Let's just kind of. <laughs>
you know. But so yeah, I'm a big fan, and I think some staff are surveys are really good. The, 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 the questions are fantastic. They're well presented, and it allows you to benchmark not just within the organisation, but with you know colleagues, competitors in other organisations, and it gives you a really good insight of where you are, what you're doing well, and what you need to focus in on. I just think there's loads of great information in there. Yeah, and it, I guess it forms part of this two-way internal comms that you were talking about. We want to hear from you and we want to talk to you. For me, the staff survey isn't dead. I agree, providing it's done well and it's done again as a cocktail. There definitely seems to be a cocktail theme to our chat today, Tony. We must have something on the mind. Yeah, I didn't that's why. I wouldn't ordinarily at all much <laughs> um oh you're making me you're making me want a cocktail any recommendations from anyone listening send them through or any recipes i'll be i'll be very glad to hear them so it, yeah I'll, I'll come back to the, the staff survey cocktail that i'm talking about here it forms part of that cocktail around continuous listening and yes there are some fantastic uh, people analytics tools out there now who that can do continuous listening to your people not just doing it once a year, but listening to people periodically, daily, weekly, um, pulse surveys, quick check-ins, apps, there's, there's lots of different ways to listen to people. But when we're just doing that alone and we're not communicating and getting feedback from people in other ways, just talking to people, walking the floor, focus groups, uh, workshops, um, bringing people off site, just continuously asking them and having this kind of open, two-way, honest, authentic conversation. I think personally, the staff survey done on its own once a year, it, it can be a hindrance because we rely, again, it comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. We rely too much just on that measurement and that data um, and we're not looking at it holistically. Indeed. And just to run with that holistic word, Ruth, I think the people who I see doing staff work surveys well, they don't allow the staff survey just to be a spike, a blip on the radar screen. They have a lead up. They tell the organization we're going to do the staff survey it's going to be coming out in about 12 weeks watch this space six weeks out they say do you remember we were going to do the staff survey we said that the launch date is going to be this date uh, you know and then two weeks beforehand they say here's your login all so they, they build up to it and all the columns over the years said so you told us in last year's staff survey that you wanted more visible leadership or you wanted us to share the unique um, characteristics of our organization you wanted us to explain the employee value proposition better because you said that in the staff survey that's why we're doing this communicating so they they stretch the staff survey out so it's not just a moment in time but it's something that runs through the organization which of course means you get that virtuous effect that when the staff survey comes around for year two and the questions are do you feel like you're listened to by your senior leaders people go yeah to be fair you know we said last year and they've done something with it do you feel this is a place that's got a plan well yeah i do actually because we see our senior leaders talking about the plan and all that kind of good stuff you can actually make more of the staff survey so don't allow it just to be that blip and then we all go away for 364 days before we reconvene yeah, really, really good advice. I'm going to end on I'm going to end on this final question because we have titled this "Is Internal Comms Measuring the Wrong Thing?" And I'm still hearing people talking about things like intranet dwell times, click through rates on internal comms emails, uh, fundraising targets, uh, and uh, different measurement tools that people are using or attempting to use to, to measure their internal comms. What do you think to these measurements, Tony? I think they're a bit like your NPS story earlier, Ruth. You know, nobody's objective is to get a good NPS. It's kind of like an indicator of what we're doing. Mm. Do you know, if you want to increase dwell time, have all your articles on the internet of why people have been fired. People will read that forever. They'll love it. Um, 
Is it going to improve employee engagement? Is it an example of fantastic internal communications? No, I don't think it is. I think it just becomes a bit of a proxy. It becomes something that we chase, the number of bounce rates and all that. I just, I don't think it's why we're in the business of being internal communicators. We're here to tell the organization's story. We're here to facilitate conversations. We're here to make sure that people understand the unique offer of our of our organization that we work for. And I don't think that's done by click rates, bounce rates, or dwell time. So I would say they have a role. I must say they don't massively excite me. Um, I think if we are going to measure, I think we need to be more comfortable with kind of just being a bit messy. Listen to the atmospherics. If everywhere you go, people are going, yeah, it's okay. I like this. You know, we've got a plan. The senior leaders seem pretty approachable. My boss is doing some good stuff and I'm working on great projects. If you keep hearing that everywhere, be comfortable to play that back to the organization because you're probably doing a good job. Yeah, brilliant. And actually, there's other measurements out there that you can that you can grab hold of without having to leave a look at yourself, right? There's Glassdoor, there's TripAdvisor, there's Twitter, there's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's Trustpilot. Your customers are doing the talking for you on, on what it's like to be an employee there and your employees are doing the talking for you as well. So l- look at what's going on or what you're communicating and measuring on the inside, but also look at what's going on on the outside because we don't have an awful lot of control anymore on what, pe- what people are talking about, about what it's like to work in an organization because they're going to do it for us. Right. Yeah. And I think probably uh, Ruth, one of the last things I'd say is you mentioned the C word there, control. And you started off our conversation by talking about what was in the news and the message in the bottle. Um, over the last week, 10 days, there's been a lot of sport in the news. We've had the cricket, the netballs on. We've had Wimbledon. The Women's Football World Cup has recently ended. I think we're about 60 days away from the start of the Rugby World Cup, which Ireland are going to storm this year. I've got no doubt at all. Mm. But People often talk about just controlling the things that you can control. And I think as communicators, we find it very difficult to control things like sales. It's just too far away from us. But we can control whether people think this is a good place to work. We can control how attractive we seem to potential employees. And we can control the quality of the message that our senior leaders share across the business. So I think as communicators, think about what you can control, ensure that what you're talking about is linked through to business priorities, and then unleash your creativity and be confident that you will make a difference that the organization wants to see happen. Tony, that is some stellar advice and a perfect point at which to end this conversation on, I think. Um, I will include the videos that you're going to send across to me, um, your pull no punches mm-hmm. series. So we've got advice from other senior leaders that you've worked with. Um, and if anyone wants to, I'll, I'll also include your contact details, right? So if anyone wants to get in touch yeah. with you and yeah. challenge you any further or delve deeper into the whole subject of internal comms measurement or anything else, um, then we'll do that. Cocktail recipes, perhaps. Thank you. Tony. Cocktail recipes. Yes, bedroom. cocktail recipes. Thank you. So if anyone has any cocktail recipes, either either around internal comms, engagement, experience, or, or culture, or anything around people, or great ones that I can drink, um, or Tony, then do let us know. <laughs> I'll include a link for that as well. Maybe you could start a competition with about the, um, we've got a name for our cocktail, which is the internal communicator. What goes into the internal communicator cocktail? Brilliant. Right. There's some more work for me this evening, but I'll make a cocktail to go with it. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Tony. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, I'm sure we'll get you on a podcast again soon to grill you a bit more. But thank you. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Bye.